What's up, everybody? Tyler here from the Antihero Podcast, and I'm selling out for an ad. However, none of this would be possible on the audio platforms without Spotify for Podcasters. Spotify for Podcasters allows me to record, edit, and distribute to all audio platforms for the Antihero Podcast. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, all you need is a mic and a computer. Hell, I don't even think you need that. I think you literally just need your phone. Spotify for Podcasters is for you, so give them a try. I remember it looking like something out of like a 1970s like zombie movie. Because uh, I remember seeing his skull melted on the couch. Where are you from? Uh, Virginia. In the western part of Virginia, but not West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Okay, so give us a background on your family life growing up. What did your parents do? Do you have siblings? What was that like? Yeah, my parents are... It's like upper middle class, maybe middle middle class. Dad was a cop. Mom was a small business owner. And I got a brother and a sister. My brother works with me actually down here in Florida now. Are you the oldest? I am the oldest. You knew that. So what does your sister do? She's a teacher. Yeah, we all we all got into that selfless service stuff. Yeah, props to her because yikes. <laughs> She actually has a transgender kid. Yeah. Getting ready for that. A student. Not her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I don't... Her kids aren't transgender. She's got a student. How old is it? 13? <laughs> yeah. 13 years old. Gonna be, they have to prep the teachers for transgender. I thought that's wild. Different world. So. Um, okay. So, speaking of kids, what kind of kid were you growing up? I was a good kid. I was a very good kid. Yeah? Yeah. I... Uh, I didn't get in a lot of trouble, and uh, sucked at sports, played in bands. I was just going to ask you about that. Talk about your bands. How old were you? How many? All the that band stuff. didn't make it. <laughs> so Obviously. Uh, I got into, I played guitar. I went and saw my buddies playing in a band. I thought that was so freaking cool. I couldn't play an instrument, so I wanted to play the turntables because Linkin Park had just came out, and they said, absolutely not. You're not going to play turntables. <laughs> So I had to learn an instrument, so I learned the guitar. And uh, and then it took me, I practiced every night for hours. And within about less than a year, I was in my first band. And the three, the core of us dudes started three bands. And uh, and so the dog is going to kill me. <laughs> Did you guys play a lot of shows? or played lots go? of shows. That was fun. They said did, we didn't make any money. How did you do that and also go to school and... I, it's because I sucked at school. <laughs> I was not a good student. I got. I think I graduated in, in my high school year. I only had five. I only had to take five classes, and I failed two of them. So I had like a two point something GPA. Then I tried a year at community college, and that wasn't working either. I was, yeah. So I wasn't a good student at first. So okay. So after that, you go to the army. Can you just kind of like jump to that and tell us about what your life was like when you were in? Hmm. That's a long, that's a, like a five year sentence right there. Um, yeah, I went to basic training, got out within a couple months. Well, I think it was about nine months. They, uh, I went to Iraq with the 82nd Airborne and then came home from that. 
And then we had to do our year of GRF, which is uh, every brigade had to do a standard year where they they didn't deploy. They stayed ready to deploy, which means you didn't deploy. And then they put us on it a year, a second year, which was unheard of. But they did it to our brigade, so that's why I got out. They wouldn't let me transfer to another brigade. I had to either go to another division or or stay where I was at, so I left. Do you want to get into anything from your deployment or mm. just kind of leave it at that? Leave it at that for now. That's okay. probably a that deployment. Whole deployments in general are a whole other episode, yeah. Gotcha. So do you want to talk about your, uh, your run-in with the law while you were in? Yeah, I got in a little bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, had a dollar beer night. And, you know, that's nobody's perfect. So we'll leave that one for another podcast, too. Okay. <laughs> nothing violent, though. No, nothing violent. Okay. No, it's a stupid, being a stupid, stupid soldier. Just to clarify. Yeah. All right, so you left, you get out. What are you doing after that? What's your life like? Where do you go? It's uh, It was weird because I had gotten out, and I, I think when everybody gets out, or when you're going to do something adventurous and change, I think everybody has this, like, mindset of how it's going to go. And it never goes that way. Ever. So I got out thinking <laughs> I was still suffering the consequences of my... Because I got in trouble. I caught a misdemeanor charge and a conviction, but the Army did not do anything to me. The Army let me stay and I promoted through the Army. But on the civilian side... I had, you know, fines and whatnot. I was still paying all that, you know, dealing with all the repercussions of it. And I got out right as I started dealing with it. So, you know, uh, it was it was kind of dumb for me to do that, but I did. And I went to school full-time. I became a starving college student, which none of this college benefited me in anyway, so. What did you go to school for? Uh, Homeland Security. Um, now I'm looking at me. I'm doing a podcast. And <laughs> Where did you go to school? Down in Florida, Remember Riddle. That's what. That's why I moved to Florida was to go to a aviation school for Homeland Security. Yeah, it's a good course though. But and also, and I didn't pay for it. The VA paid for it. There you go. Yeah. And also, you moved to Florida because I got a baby mama. <laughs> okay. Um... All right. So, can you talk about the process of becoming a law enforcement officer and maybe touch on your career life thus far? When I did it six years ago, I've been a cop for six years in Florida. It was bullshit the way that you had to go to the academy, at least where I went in the Daytona area. I had to pay my way. I had to pay for the academy. Luckily, I had just enough on the GI Bill to pay for my academy, like just enough. Um, so I had to essentially pay for my own college, support my or academy, support my way through the academy with no income, unless I wanted to go work nights. But I was a single dad. I had you know Eli every other week, so couldn't really do that. Uh, graduate with. At the very last month, uh, an agency picked me up, but they were like, hey, we're not going to pay you right now, and we're not going to start you for another three months. So then after I graduated the academy, 
with no uniform. I looked like a fucking janitor. I had to go work at a gym and scrub machines for like it was like nine dollars, ten dollars an hour, something like that. So you know, uh, and then wait for the wait for that agency's hiring process to start, which eventually did, and then that's where I started. So sounds like some bullshit because it was. How long did you? It was three months in between the time you graduated to the time you started working at the agency. Did you have any good calls or anything you want to talk about with that? In general, or at they can that be agency? they can be funny. Gro- in general, they can be funny, gross, serious. Yeah, the the grossest call was with you. I mean, nicknamed it Daryl Soup, and. So, long story short, it was in the middle of a hurricane. So, if any of you guys don't know, a hurricane in Florida means there's no power for X amount of time. And I, don't, I think this particular area had been out of power for about two weeks, maybe three. I don't remember. Um, anyways, we get a call that uh, those parents, who they're a little nutty too, they hadn't seen their son in weeks, days, something, some extended period of time. And their son lived in a camper in the backyard. So we show up. Obviously, the whole neighborhood's pitch black. And they're like, uh, yeah, we haven't seen our son, and it smells bad. So we're like, oh, that's not a good sign. So we go to his camper in the backyard and shine the light. And I remember it looking like something out of, like, a 1970s, like, zombie movie. Because, uh... I remember seeing his skull melted on the couch, and then, uh, what else? Did you see anything else? I couldn't. He was. He had been. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like the state between mummification and decomp. It'd been a minute. Yeah. Yeah, and just to clarify, his parents were old and senile. That's why they were a little out of it. Yeah, they weren't any help. Um, eventually we had to crack the seal, which meant the whole neighborhood was going <laughs> to suffer. Uh, I remember they gave you fire fire hookups to, what is that, an the apparatus? Fire, the fire department left me like a pack, a yeah, breathing pack. To go in to further investigate this mummified corpse <laughs> of Daryl Soup. And uh, yeah, I remember the... The body snatchers came. And, I mean, I'm, I'm telling your story because you were in there, but I'm like retelling your story. But they, they like, the body snatchers took plates like plasticware off his dish racks and scooped him into a body bag, mm-hmm. and then dumped his foot out of his shoe. Yeah, because it was like soup, right, and a bone. It's pretty wild. That was pretty cool. I never forgot. And then we faced, we looked him up on Facebook. <laughs> The next morning, because we were on midnights, so we got home. Yeah, but we were curious to know what he looked like. That was kind of sad. His, yeah. Anyway, without grossing everyone out too much. Yeah, I mean, not everybody's got fun. It just depends. Sometimes stories like they're way cooler to you. Yeah. And other people are listening. You know. Yes, yeah, so without a visual or some sort of. Yeah frame of reference everybody's got their good save story their good heart-to-heart story by the way none of these 
I guess that like it should be prefaced. This podcast is not going to be about like hearts and minds because obviously I'm a cop, so you know I like to help people. That goes without saying. That should go without saying right. about the anti-hero podcast. But you know I'm also me, and I don't want to do a fucking podcast mm-hmm. about that. So mm-hmm. if we tell any stories, they'll be somewhat entertaining and. You know, if you're not a cop and you want to listen to this, this is the best place to get the stuff that you probably won't ever hear anybody talk about. Maybe like here scooping Daryl with his own dishes into a body bag. <laughs> that was during a hurricane. Gruesome. That was pretty gruesome. So, what else you got? Um, let's get into the business. Mm-hmm. Fractive Wolf. Um, what made you want to start your own apparel line? I wanted to start. I wanted to start one. I think the year before I did, I was already thinking about it. My dad had owned a merchandise company, but it wasn't. It it wasn't so much like a brand. It was just like he sold like cop stuff to cop people back in the day when cops like to wear cop things. And uh, so I already had an idea. I talked to you about it about a year prior to actually doing it, and then one day. I don't know, man. I didn't achieve a goal of mine at work. And I was like, I need something to focus on because, I mean, after five years on patrol, you really kind of mastered it. So I needed to focus my efforts somewhere else. And, you know, so started a apparel company, um, Fractal Wolf Apparel. And then uh, we're going to keep a discount code open for... 15% off, just use code anti-hero, one word. But, you know, I, it was just something that nobody was doing and something I wanted to do myself. Started off with four shirts. They were all pretty, you know, I, sell, I, sell, I think I still only sell one of them. Because when you start a business, you have no idea what you're doing or where you're going. You just kind of have like a, like a little core of something that you want to grow, and that's it, like like right now. Well, know? and you also, when you came to me and told me about what you were wanting to do, you wanted to blend two niches together that are kind of not usually seen Yeah. together, so that makes it tough too. You don't know where the heck... Yeah, well, like the first, the first core idea was um, kind of being sick. It's like, you know, like the sheepdog thing, mm-hmm. I, I don't... I don't fuck with that, as young kids say. Like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like, if I, you know, I don't want, I guess the Guardians versus the Warrior thing. Like, I don't want a dog protecting me, you know, from wolves. That that makes no fucking sense, you know. I want a wolf protecting me from a wolf. You know, maybe a wolf that used to be a wolf. I don't know, that's, like, now cool. So, and he's down to fighting other wolves if you pay him. You know, something like that. So that's where the idea came from, Refracted Wolf. Um, I think it makes that, you know, on paper, it's kind of like how the how light can be refracted and and, re, and, and sent in a new direction. So It's, I it's think, hard to explain. I think the it's, same thing for a wolf. It's more know? of a concept of, of what you want in someone like a public servant where you're, <clears throat> the whole idea of the sheepdog is saying that they're not 
the same as you, but they're also not the same as the the enemy or the the bad guy. Yeah. But if you have somebody that can think like a bad guy, yeah, that's a good point. That's where they maybe not that's where they come from. I'm not saying that cops are coming from bad guys, but the the mindset and the strategy and being willing to get down on their level so you can learn them. Well, yeah, you have to be able to think like a wolf, or you're mm-hmm. gonna suck at defending people from wolves. I mean, you can't go. Uh, uh, I don't know. You know, I try not to get frustrated with that whole thing. But that's where that's where the company, the concept started was was a refractive wolf. And then as I as I grew it, you know, I realized that you know I want the the goal of it was to blend it with like the the alternative lifestyles, you know, because I, I noticed that cops are cops and like most of them are just like, like oatmeal, man. They're, and then when they try to be cool, they're just not like they, they getting a sleeve tattoo doesn't make you cool. You know, because when you, I mean, I know, but <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying I'm cool, but you know, I don't know. Uh, they, that when, it attracts some. It attracts some types of people that are just. Well, it's like anything. Retarded. That's not exclusive to law enforcement. Yeah. That. I mean, but I just noticed that you know, like, finding cops that are into like you know punk rock music or metal music or play music. You know, it's we're not very. We're a small amount of people. You know, like a. It's a different. You know. I, I only know like two cops that skateboard. I know cops that like say they skateboard, but I mean, I think that's a thing that's coming back where you like you roll like two miles an hour on a longboard and you're a skateboarder now. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, just and it doesn't have to be cops too. It's it's like the, you know like the the veteran community or you know something like that. Like that just like I, I remember going to like I still go to festivals and stuff, and like you can spot somebody that's a vet or a cop but because you can spot them out of a sea of like artsy fartsy people and i don't know it's just always i think there's a good market for that you know you know like it's a bigger group of people than what i think everybody realizes yeah <clears throat> because i mean you know as well as i do when you go to those places there's a lot of anywhere now there's a lot of very visceral division between I like cops or I don't like cops. Yeah. And that crowd tends to attract both parties in that. So it's hard. You can't just be openly. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's weird too because when I started in 2016, there was already the, uh, I think that was like two years after the Ferguson. Ferguson where it was cool or, you know, like anybody that wasn't on the right politically hated cops. Because it was just a trend. And then now it's swinging back to where, you know, you go meet somebody with dyed hair and face tattoos and facial piercings and, you know, just living the, the artist lifestyle. And they're 100%. They're like, yeah, dude, I love cops, man. You know, and it's just weird. And I'm starting to meet these people as I branch out away from my comfort zone. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not necessarily making a company for them, but I know that there's cops that would love that to to be part of that lifestyle. And I know that lifestyle would love to kind of be, you know, get to know. I don't It's so hard to explain. That's why I'm going to do it, you know, companies like this, you know, kind of like bridging that gap between 
you know, the guests I want to have on here, um, have them, you know, talk their side and then have cops on here that they can listen to and, you know, go from there. Build a brand. Yeah, and you recently told me about a a detail that you worked where you were in a similar environment than what we just talked about and people were coming up to you asking you a bunch of questions, like genuinely wanting to get to know you, because you mentioned this, a lot of people, cops are these unattainable robots that, mm-hmm. you know, are scary or they have no personality, and that fascinates people when they meet one that's not. It changes their perception of what law enforcement is or those people are, so yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, because when it's a cop, you know, it's... It's no secret, and it is a very—it's a very true thing. There's people out there that want to fucking kill you mm-hmm. and shoot you dead um, for no reason. So when cops, I think when they like when they're standoffish, it starts from that root, you know. Like I don't know if they're teaching the academies nowadays, but when we were in the academy, they taught us head on a swivel, people are going to kill you. Mm-hmm. It's probably not so much anymore, but you know. And then you know, so people see cops at gas stations and they'll say thank you for your service and stuff but it's usually like oh yep thanks appreciate it and there's just that divide of constant you know what's that called when you're like vigilant hyper vigilance and somebody just getting a coffee you you just can't there's that force field that there's no relation there can't be unless you break it down and um yeah I worked a detail at a horror convention and it was uh you know I was walking around just like everybody else, and I think they could kind of see that. I didn't have my guard up, and people were just fascinated and talking to me and asking me questions, and I I really honestly feel like if someone could sit down and pick the brain of a cop, they would enjoy that. Yeah. In the same way that I, I love picking the brain of artists and picking the brain of, you know, uh, CEOs of companies or, you know, entrepreneurs and people that are well out of the realm of what I'm used to. Or even people that don't like cops. Yeah. Just yeah, talking to them and asking them, like, what is I got it? a plan for that, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's a lot harder because they tend not to be as open-minded, but, I mean, there are the, the few out there that are willing to talk about it. It's interesting to me. So, okay, well, let's uh, get a little bit more focused on the business side of it. Could you give us a rundown of what what has worked for you and what hasn't? What do you wish you could have done different? Is there anything that you think you should have done that would have worked or something you wish you hadn't done that didn't work and et cetera? Uh, I think you should always follow your gut when you're going to try and start something. Um, obviously, in the pre-planning stages, you definitely take some uh, advice uh, and research what you can but once it once it's time to execute, it's it's like ninety percent following your gut, and you have to have a passion for it. You have to have uh, the ability to do it, I guess. Maybe some talent in there, and then you have to have, you have to have money. You have to have financial backing. Very rarely will you be able to la- launch something with no financial backing. You got to be like spiking in talent or spiking in an, in a brand. And the ability to, like, skyrocket that brand on your own. Some people are just naturally like that. I'm not. I'm not a car salesman, so, you know, you have to have some kind of financial backing. But, um, 
you know, I think it's something that everybody should do. It, it's satisfying. It makes you feel like, you know, at some point you can, you're not tied down to your job anymore, you, you know. But most people, it ain't for most people, you know, no one wants to come home from their job and work on another job. But Yeah, and I can attest to that because you'll come home at like 7 and I won't actually see you until like 11, 11.30 and then I'm falling asleep. <laughs> Yeah. So you put a lot of hours into it, and it it takes a lot of effort. Were you did you feel overwhelmed when you realized how much effort and time and logistics it took? To no, because I think that's what I always wanted. It's a void. I'm not gonna fill voids with, you know, it's uh because I, I do I make sure I spend enough time with you and, and Eli. And when I say enough time with you, I mean like I I do the balance very well. But there's the me void. Or not the void. There, there's the me time that everybody has, and that's where people go out, work on cars. They go, they watch sports, they watch TV, or you know. And I'm going to invest my time into something that's going to benefit me down the road. You know, I don't know how to study stocks and bonds, or I'd probably do that too. But you know. So how did you um, how did you find all of your resources? Your T-shirt guy. Um, the girl that does your, helps you with the artwork and stuff like that? So I, the, I have one friend, one high school friend that knows about all this shit I'm trying to do, the podcasting and you know the t-shirt companies. And he was my best friend in high school. Um, he gives me like the raw like Fiverr, go to Fiverr. So um, he taught me how to do Shopify or not taught me, but he taught me about Shopify and how to run a website. And it's just plug and play. So... You know, I found a designer. I knew I had to have a brand, right? So, and I had to have artwork. So I found this uh, this artist on Fiverr. She's actually lives in Germany. So logistics are kind of shitty on that as far as when she's awake, I'm asleep. So, but, <clears throat> you know, uh, then I had originally done those basic cop t-shirts before. So I had a small business owner out of a couple of cities away that he does them he hooks me up with a good deal so you know I can buy shirts at wholesale I can buy them all my merchandise at wholesale because of my resale cert and LLC so that's just figuring out a good system that works and then the hardest part is making it cool making it relevant you know making people want to buy your product that so. was going to be my next question how did you get comfortable doing self-promotion and being on social media and all that because you were not extremely comfortable at first you know, I'm still not yeah I'm you know I don't it's weird for me so I started the social media thing um posting videos that I mean like I it's weird I didn't get this at first but apparently I kind of understand it now where like cops aren't allowed to post certain things because you know like I was posting cool cop videos you know some of them are violent but it's the real world so that's what I was but and other people post them so I'm allowed to look at it but I can't reshare it yeah so uh, I kind of had a like a an Instagram where I took selfies and posted wild police videos and um then I had to get into you know the next step for me was like talking on camera that took months to get the courage to do and it's, you know, it's kind of easier to do now. But 
it was it was definitely you got to just hit record and go and you got to be comfortable and it just takes a while because if every time you no no that doesn't work and you you find yourself stopping it and trying it five times and then you're in your own head but you get that imposter syndrome real bad yeah i know yeah i have i i know i'm not a very comp i'm a very confident person but i put fight through a lot of uh what do you call that self-esteem issues so i'm always thinking no one likes anything i do always which helps with the punk rock spirit because I have to tell myself who gives a fuck. And I was going to say, do you ever ask yourself, like, because for me personally, I would feel like, like, uh, I'd get that, I guess it's imposter syndrome where you're like, who cares what I have to say? Mm-hmm. But then you do it and you realize there are people that care about what you have to say. Yeah, and that's the, that's the part, too, that you have to get out of your own head because there's, there's people out there that, you really do relate to it's just reaching to them mm-hmm. and then you know uh and there's people out there that really support you and if you are confident in what you do not cocky you don't have to be you know i'm talking to, if people want to see that i would see that if i saw somebody that was talking with confidence and selling something that i like you know i'd buy it i don't have a problem with it but you know kind of got to put a, a face to the name and, a, and an attitude behind it so so, okay, so you kind of touched on it earlier, but what made you want to start podcast? Um, I think I had, this is originally a plan to be a 2024 thing. And um, I don't know, some just told me to go ahead and get get into it. Now I'm behind the curve in podcasts, and this is going to be an audio and a, a YouTube podcast. So I kind of like the idea of, being able to see the podcast session, right? So that was my whole focus was a visual podcast session. And then I realized that a lot of people don't typically like to watch podcasts as much as they like to listen to them. All right. So um, some of the listeners already know this, but um, you and I do paranormal investigation as a hobby. Um, what got you into that? You. Well, I mean... I mean, that's kind of true. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like... I mean... I was really skeptical of ghosts. Like, really skeptical of them. And I didn't believe in any of that shit. And I didn't believe in religion or afterlife or anything. And then the more you just explore, the more... It's undeniable, you know? So, to me, anyways. Yeah, I was going to say... Sometimes it's and it, for people that don't believe that's totally fine. Um, they might think that I'm crazy for saying this, but it's almost like the more you poke at it and look into it with a skeptical eye, you know, you don't want to be completely just blindly like, oh my god, it was a ghost. But the more you look into it on a broader scale, like what happens to us when we die, it kind of makes more sense that there would be ghosts than there wouldn't be. Or some sort of entity, even if it, I don't know. But it just makes more sense that there is something. Like, it's harder to deny it than it is to just look at it and say, yeah, I can't really turn a blind eye to X, Y, Z, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's way more dangerous to play on, you know, was it the third dimension? Where, I mean, everybody's like, don't do that. Don't do that. What are you doing? Like, you know. 
I'm not an adrenaline or a fear junkie by any means, but I mean, kind of the life I live, and the life a lot of people live. It's you know, it takes a. It's another got up that game of fear. Was there a moment in time that made you? Well, I guess you kind of answered this already, but was there a particular moment where you were like, okay, I think I believe in this shit, or was it just kind of like the over time and over the investigation that we've done, you're like, you know... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because I posted about it, the Bonnie thing. Yeah, yeah I was going to we get went, into that. We went... That was, a, that was a huge kicker for me with the... Well, I mean, I will save that for another podcast, but yeah. Well, I was, was going to ask you to get into it if you want to, but I mean... It's a long story. It is a long story. And yeah. it's, I saved that for like a, you know, I got plans for that podcast, so that okay. episode anyways. Well, you made an Instagram reel about it, so follow Ted and Cop Official or Fractal Wolf Apparel on yeah, Instagram if you want to watch it. 15% off. Anti-hero. <laughs> Never expires. Shameless plug. What's your favorite spot that we've been to to investigate, and what is like a ultimate destination that you'd want to go to? Uh, favorite spot was the one we got nothing. And I liked St. Augustine a lot. Or Savannah was Savannah's actually pretty cool. I got, mm-hmm. I did get, I got flicked in the face by something, and it hurt real bad. But um, yeah, Savannah's probably my favorite actually. And I, I want to go to like a prison or an insane asylum or something, and, and do an overnight lockdown. That would be pretty dope. That would be really. You could live out your Zach Bagan dreams. <laughs> we are fans of the show here. So no Zach Bagan slander is allowed. Yeah. I'm not gay, but... <laughs> and yes, we know half of it is probably fake, but we love the show, so no slander. Um, okay. Um, what's your... We're getting into, like, the normal questions now. Unless you got something else you want to kind of no. touch on. Um, so throughout your life... And all the places you've lived, because you've kind of moved around a lot. What's your favorite place that you've lived so far? Florida. Yeah. I love Florida. Florida's like a conservative California. About as close as you're going to get, you know. Anywhere in particular in Florida? Or just the state in general, you like it? Day, ever since I lived here, I was go, go, go. Um, like full-time student, full, you know, full-time cop, you know. And I'm still paying off debts from when I was in college, so there's not you know, a lot of money going around. So, you know, we try to go travel when we can, but, you know. If you had to pick a place, like, no strings attached anywhere in the world, where would you live? Where would I live? Mm-hmm. Florida. Oh, my God. I don't know. I, like, live, like, live Florida. It's a, it's a smart place for me to live, uh, career-wise, and... Just everything that I like is Florida. But, you know, places that, you know, maybe retire out of or, you know, have a second home, there's a difference in that. Like, I, I like the desert. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's cold weather out there. So. Sounds and, great. Huh? Sounds great. I'm not getting into the cold weather with you. <laughs> that's a topic for another time. Never. <laughs> okay, so both of us are really big into music and concerts and going to see shows. 
you've been way more than me. So who's the best show? Who's the best live show you've ever seen? Top to bottom. Slayer's up there. I don't know what it is, but they, you know. Slipknot's got a good live show, too, but it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's almost like going to see Motley Crue, you know, it's. Yeah, they're so big. It's like, it's like a lot, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, there, there was a time when I, I didn't go see a lot of concerts, but I like club shows, to me, to me like, in a club, seeing a, a band with. You know, status, not necessarily headliner status, like at a like a festival, but like could do their own like club sh- like tour. Those are those are the ones to go to. Those are fun. Everything's general admission, so yeah. you know it's not like you gotta sit in the back. You know, if you want to fight to get up front, you can. The show we saw, I think it was that one that's hanging up. The one at the Orlando Amphitheater, the Slayer show. I've seen Slayer like ten times. That was yeah. That was a general admission show, and that was probably one of the best yeah. shows I've been to. The lineup was good. The beer tents, there were so many the of them. The beer was good. <laughs> I just mean, like, the logistics of the show. Anytime you yeah, go anywhere. Yeah, a long line. No lines anywhere. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe because it rained, but it, it was awesome. That was great. That was a lot of fun. What about Ice Nine Kills? Never seen them. Huh? We saw them at at Rockville. Oh yeah, we did see them, huh? Yeah, that was there. Just that playing wasn't in the good. middle of a day in the, on yeah. a fairground. It wasn't like, to me playing it. If you playing in the middle of the day, you ain't gonna have a good like show. It wasn't a good it's show. gonna be all music. I mean, they were good. Their performance was yeah. good, but the show wasn't good. Like, and then of course you had Jose Megan had to have his little moment where he got stabbed and. That was um, kind of weird. Yeah, anybody that <laughs> listens to XM Radio knows he is. Oh, yeah. Well, those are the only questions that I could come up with that really kind of painted a pretty broad brush. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we still could dig into in later episodes, but if you want to add anything or you want to plug something or... Nope. All right. Well, we're going to... Try to do weekly shows, right? Yeah. I say yeah. we, you. Yeah, me and Sam. Hopefully, we'll see. I don't know. No one knows where the fuck this thing's gonna go. We're just <laughs> we gotta take off at some point. So right now we're in there in a little Cessna, trying not to crash land. So, but we're off. Yeah.